Morning, everybody. Mark chapter 7 is where we are this morning. Mark chapter 7. Well, I like you, um, I watch what's going on in the world. I watch the news reports as much as I can take. And uh, I saw the coverage of what happened in France. Um, You know, I think of the 84 dead, there were 10 children. Some of the stories were that uh, parents were trying to throw their children over the fence to spare them this maniac that was driving to destroy lives. Um, I got on the radio this week before the microphones and tried to find words once again to share, you know, with people, what do we do? What do we do in times like this when it seems like every week there's another terrorist attack or shooting in our country? There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of people offering advice and saying that this is the answer and that is the answer. And, and at some point, you just throw up your hands and you say, you know what, Lord, if, if there's really going to be true healing, it's not going to come from my wisdom. It's going to come from yours. And so as the Lord would have it, and as is often happens, you know, I look at what's ahead of us as we move through a gospel And uh, I just go section by section, as you well know. And here we are in one of the most unique healing stories in the Gospels. Unique to Mark's Gospel, actually. And it's this story of Jesus in Gentile territory. And he unstops the ears of of a deaf man and he touches his tongue and frees up his tongue. And I think what we're going to find in this particular healing that Jesus does is a prescription for healing. If we're willing to listen, if we're willing to hear, if we're willing to be part of the solution and the answer to all that ails us. The account is found in Mark 7, 31. We're going to read it together and then we'll pray and break it down. And again, he, Jesus, Mark 7, 31, went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis, Mark 7, 32. And they brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty and they entreated him to lay his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. And they were utterly astonished, Mark 7, 37, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we come before your holy word, thank you that it is inspired by God and thank you that it is profitable in every area of our lives. This morning, maybe more than ever, we need to hear from heaven. And we need, Lord, your healing upon our land and upon our world. 
You gave a prescription for healing to Israel in Second Chronicles and you said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You said that your ears would be attentive to prayer in that place and that was the temple, Lord, and we know the times are different, but the prescription, I believe, is still the same. Because in Revelation 2 and 3, you gave a prescription for healing to the seven churches. And in most of those churches, there was a corrective or multiple things that you said that they needed to hear and amend. And over and over again, the words ring forth, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so Lord, we are your church. We are your bride, we are your people. And we are here to hear from you. So would you speak to us now as we prepare our hearts to receive what you would say to us because we desperately need to hear from you and we desperately need to act upon what you say. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I've mentioned to you, um, as we move through the Gospels, many of Jesus' miracles were parables. What I mean to say by that is that when Jesus did a healing, it wasn't always just the physical healing that we need to pay attention to. There was something much deeper below the surface that was being communicated. And when he stopped the flow of blood in the woman who had had that uh, terrible malady for 12 years, she reached out in faith and the flow of blood stopped. I had shared with you that I believe below the surface is Jesus saying, if you'll reach out the hand of faith, I will stop the bleeding in your life. As Jesus spoke to the little girl who had died, little lamb arise. I believe the message of the 12-year-old girl, and I believe the 12 continues to connect back to Israel and to the 12 apostles. I can raise you up again. I can give new life to you. As he feeds the uh, 5,000 and they pick up the 12 baskets, I believe he's saying, I am the bread of life. If you will take me into you, you will live. You will have true life within yourselves. And so I think it's important for the student of Scripture always to be watching for these kinds of things. And as you look at a healing that takes place on the other side of the lake, what's considered the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, you see Jesus unstop ears and loosen a tongue. And I don't think it's hard to figure out when you start to look for these little things in your Bible that you can see that the unstopping of the ears is something much deeper than just a physical healing. It's a message from heaven to us if we're willing to listen to what he has to say. When Jesus taught the parable of the sower in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn over to Matthew, he uh, would share the parable and he would often repeat, and I think Luke's gospel makes this clear, Matthew 13 is what you want. He would often say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is Matthew 13, pick it up at verse nine with me. Matthew 13, nine. He has just shared the parable of the soils or the sower. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and the disciples came and said to him, Matthew 13, 10, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted, Matthew 13, 12. For whoever has to him shall more be given, 
and he shall have an abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, verse 14, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return. And what's your Bible say? And I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. And over and over again in Jesus' ministry, he said things like this. He said there were certain segments of people that just did not hear. We read earlier in the Gospel of Mark, if you want to turn back there, that Jesus said this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They elevate the precepts of men above the word of God. And so in the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, at the end of this particular healing, they said he does all things well. What a testimony. What a truth of Jesus Christ. Mark 7, 37. He does all things well. That can't be said of me. Some people might say of Michael Lance, he does some things well. Depending on your perspective, you might say he does a few things well <laughs> or no things well. But never could it be said of me, and I would venture to say of you, he or she does all things well. In fact, it was quite rare for people to say this of Jesus because even with all the miracles that he did, rarely did he have this kind of affirmation about him. Rarely did someone say of Jesus, he does all things well. Most people were questioning and whining and complaining and misunderstanding. But at this point on the Gentile side of the lake, the Bible says somebody in the crowd said, maybe multiple people, he does all things well. You see, if we're going to have healing in our churches and in our nation, it's going to have to come from the one who does all things well. It's going to have to be his power. It's going to have to be his perspective. It's going to have to be his changing power in our lives. C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. And right now, I'm not sure we're listening. Right now, I'm not sure that God always has my attention the way he wants. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so Mark's gospel in Mark 7, 31 says, and again, he went out from the region of Tyre. That's where he healed the Syrophoenician uh, woman's daughter. And she said, even the little puppy dogs feed on the crumbs. And remember I said, Lord, just give me the crumbs. Hey, if we spent every day, instead of... Uh, going with the society who believes that everything, you know, they deserve everything and this entitlement society, what if we just had that attitude like the Syrophoenician woman and said, Lord, whatever you're willing to give me, I'll take it. I'll be like one of those little puppies. I know something good's coming, right? 
And he went out from the region of Tyre. It seems that he didn't, uh, there's no record of him healing anybody else there or interacting with anybody else. Some scholars believe he spent about eight months in uh, the re region on the other side of the lake, and that's conjecture, but uh, we, knew it, we know it took some time to travel. So he came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. Look at verse 31. That's the, literally the ten cities. The ten commandments are called the Decalogue, the Decapolis was the ten cities. They were Hellenized cities, largely Greek cities, very pagan. The, the pig was the fertility animal. And Jesus had gone to the other side of the lake earlier to meet a man who had legion. Do you remember? He was filled with a legion of demons. He and there was another man there as well. And Jesus set him free. And he was there clothed and in his right mind. And when Jesus got into the boat, the man said, Lord, please take me with you. And Jesus, remember the response was, no, you stay here. And you tell your family and you tell your friends and you tell the people in this area the great things that God has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And we're going to find out that that formerly demon-possessed man did a great job. He was a missionary to the Decapolis, the, the ten cities. He went around. It's very clear that he went around and he shared his testimony. But for the apostles to go to Tyre, to go to the region of Sidon, to go to the other side of the lake, they had to go kicking and screaming. And if you're a note taker, I'm going to give some prescriptions of healing that the Lord has given me this week. And if you want to write them down, here's the first one. If there's going to be healing, we're going to have to cross some uncomfortable barriers. Amen. We're going to have to go to some places and have some conversations that are not comfortable. And I'm sure that when Jesus said we're going to go to the other side of the lake or we're going to go to the region of Tyre, I'm sure the apostles were not on board completely. Have you ever had you know, somebody share something with you, something you had to do, and you weren't bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about it? Can I get a witness? Monday morning, time to go to work. Oh God. Sunday morning, time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to see those people. And then your wife says, yeah, but you're the pastor. You need to go. That was this morning. Just kidding. No, it wasn't. Have you ever had the Lord challenge you to go across the street and talk to that neighbor that maybe you haven't learned much about them at all? Maybe you've said some neighborly things or done some things for each other, but you know nothing about that person. God might be saying to you, you know, why don't you, maybe you know they're a Christian. Why don't you go learn something about their testimony? Why don't you find out who they are? Well, things to do, people to see, lawns to mow. We're going to have to cross some uncomfortable barriers if we're going to find healing. And they brought to him, look at verse 32, they brought to Jesus one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. He had literally one who had a speech impediment. And they, the they I'm assuming is a group of Gentiles here since, of, since where he is. 
They entreated, they implored him, they begged him to lay his hands upon him. How many times during the course of a day, a week, did Jesus get implored in this way? Get begged to touch someone, to heal someone? It happened over and over and over and over again, thousands upon thousands of times. And they say, would you please have pity on this man, Lord? Have you ever thought about how good God's listening skills are? Have you ever thought about how good of a listener God is? He knows everything you're going to say before you say it and still listens to you. That is a miracle. All right, go ahead. Have you ever, have you ever been in that position before? You feel like you know everything this person's going to say and you kind of, all right, go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Wouldn't it be a bummer if you ever got a view into heaven and that's the posture that God had with your prayers? Sheesh, here they come again. Do you know how many times God has listened to the same whiny prayer that you've prayed? Hmm? With patience? Do you know how many times God has heard a person only check in with him when they wanted to get out of trouble, get rescued from, from something, or blame him for everything that's happening in the universe. Do you know that some people only check in with God to malign him, and yet he listens. He hears our prayers. He says, cast, not some, but all your anxiety upon me because I what? I care for you. Do you know in the unstopping of the ears miracle, there's something deeper going on here. Do you know that listening to other people's hearts is one of the, probably one of the weakest areas in many people's lives? We're not very good listeners. We're pretty good at sharing our views, pretty good at pointing out our position, not so good at listening. And I think that in this particular miracle, there's a message if we're willing to hear it. There was a man, he was deaf, and he spoke with difficulty. That may be a connection to his deafness. When he gets healed, he's able to articulate stuff, so it would appear that he wasn't born deaf, but that something happened along the line for him to go deaf, and that has happened uh, to many people, and I know that sometimes as we age, we have hearing problems and that kind of thing, and it's, it's a tough thing that people go through. And here's a man that he can't hear. He probably heard it one time, but he can't hear now, and he could hardly talk. He's not alone. The man that uh, was called to deliver Israel said to God when God called him, Lord, I don't speak well. Remember? His name was Moses. Do you know Moses was not an articulate speaker? Can you imagine? You're going to go to the leader of the most powerful nation in the world and you're going to say to him, let my people go. And Moses says, uh, I'm not very articulate. As much as we know about Moses, that he was raised in the education of Egypt, that he knew a lot, that he could write well, that he probably knew multiple languages, he could not speak well. And many of us use that as an excuse for what we don't do. 
I'm not articulate or I, I can't communicate ideas well. And so we sit on the sidelines. And in fact, if you go back and read Exodus 4, 10 through 17, we won't do it uh, this morning. God says to Moses, I'm the one that made the mouth. He says, Exodus 4, 15, I, even I, will be with your mouth and in his mouth. I will teach you, he speaks of his brother, I will teach you what you are to do. I will teach you what you are to say. I will be with your mouth. Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm young. I'm not good at this kind of stuff. And God says, don't say that. I will be with your mouth. I will put the words in your mouth. I will do what you cannot do. Do we believe that? Many of us, you know, if we're in any kind of ministry at all, I think we understand it's only by God's grace. And so here's Jesus. And they said, would you lay your hand on this man? Would you, would you touch this man? Look at verse 32. Would you please? They begged him. Seems like multiple people begging. Friends of his. Would you please lay a hand upon him? Would you touch the man? If, if someone was maybe on the other side of the sea for you, maybe someone who is different, maybe someone that, you know, the, in the Jewish mind, this man's unclean. He lives in unclean land. He's, he's diseased because he sinned or his parents sinned or he did something wrong in the womb. He's an unclean man. And Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, is told to touch him. And what he's about to do is so incredible, it's beyond a touch. There's saliva involved. The exchange of bodily fluids. Oh, goodness. Does that trouble anybody? I'd be looking for Purell, you know, right after this interaction. Toothbrush on the tongue, I don't know. Any germaphobes out there? Yeah. 33. Jesus took him aside from the multitude by himself or privately. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus take him? Why didn't he just, why didn't he just, he could have just spoke the word right there, be healed. He didn't do that. Why did he do all of this? Why did he take him aside privately? Some writers have said on this because Jesus was not just about healing. He was also about relationships. And if you're a note taker, here's the second prescription for healing. And there may be some in-betweens here that you might want to write down. It's going to happen in relationships. It's going to happen in soul-to-soul, heart-to-heart, chest-to-chest time. So Jesus took him aside. I don't know everything that took place there. I don't know what words were exchanged. I don't know how uncomfortable it felt. I don't know how far they moved away. But he took him away privately and he put his fingers into his ears. Now if you're the deaf man, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, but you probably don't know all the details and you're taken off to the side. You're face to face with this Jewish rabbi, teacher, who all of a sudden puts his fingers in your ears. Now I'm a guy that's fairly big on personal space. Can I get a witness? I love y'all, but I don't need to talk to you from two inches apart. (laughs) 
All right. But I know some people are that way, right? There's some people, they got it. When they talk to you, it's right here, man. <laughs> Woo, man, I hope I had a certs, you know, earlier. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody coming up and sticking their fingers in your ears? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you want to be healed? Yeah. All right, then sit there and... <laughs> Would you let Jesus do that to you? Will you let him do it to you? Will you let him unstop your ears? Do you think that maybe the message for the readers of the Gospel of Mark is something like this? He wants to unstop your deaf ears. You want a healing? Something beneath the surface is going on here. There's another place where Jesus used his saliva, and it's in John 9. We won't go there for the sake of time, but you all know the story. There's a man that's born blind, and the apostles are asking questions based upon the theology of the day, and they say, Lord, who sinned, his, him or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus said, neither him or his parents sinned, that this happened that the glory of God might be manifest in him. And when Jesus healed him, he spit in the clay or the dirt and he began to rub the spittle together with the dirt and he put it on the man's eyes and he told him to go, to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he came back seeing, you remember that? And there are many scholars that take this back to Genesis 2 when God breathed into Adam, the, into his nostrils, the breath of life. And some, some have, who are smarter than me have said that maybe because the man was born blind, Jesus was literally giving him new eyes out of the clay, just like God made Adam out of the dust of the earth. Jesus was creating new eyes on the spot. How about that? And when the man came back after washing, he came back seeing. He'd never seen anything before. No color, no trees, no people's faces, nothing. You want to talk about a miracle? And over and over in the Bible, we get these warnings about Israel and about, I'm sure, people in general. Isaiah 43, 8. God says, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf even though they have ears, Isaiah 43, 8. Jeremiah 5, verses 20 through 23, if you would write it down, says this, Declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. That's Jeremiah 5, 21. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea. An eternal decree so it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside, God says, and departed. Wow. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. They have eyes to see, but they don't see. And so I think for me this week, I'll just speak for myself. One of the things that God's been impressing upon my heart amidst all the turmoil and all the misunderstanding and all the tension and all the perspectives is why don't you just listen more? Why don't you just see if you can tune in to heaven's voice and the voice of others? And so he put his fingers into his ears after and after spitting, he touched 
his tongue with the saliva. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. He fingers in the ears, then he spits. I'm assuming that the spit was involved with the touch of the tongue. And there's something going on here where Jesus is saying, it's going to be from my life, who I am, my DNA, that life's going to come into you. Jesus could have just spoke the word. He didn't have to do all of this, but he did. And some writers believe he did it because of where he was and who he was dealing with. I'll leave that to your own study. But there's, this is an intimate exchange. This is not just, okay, I'll say the word. The Lord touches him. He put his fingers in his ears and he touched his tongue. The importance of relationship, the, the importance of touching those who are deemed untouchable. Christopher Hitchens, who passed away of a brain tumor, some, or actually had esophageal cancer is how it started, um, befriended a Christian pastor. If you don't know who Christopher Hitchens was because he's now gone, he was one of the most outspoken atheists that was on the planet in the last several decades, debated all kinds of theists, made fun of God, made fun of religion, made fun of Christianity, but a pastor befriended him and he said there were two sides to Christopher, his public persona where he almost put on an act and his private persona where this pastor said it seemed like Christopher at least was open to belief in God. He studied the Gospel of John with this pastor on a road trip while he was dying of cancer. And Christopher Hitchens said of this Christian pastor, the world would be a better place if there were more men in it like you. Now, the pastor wrote a book, The Faith of Christopher Hitchens. You can get a copy of the book. And the book's conclusion is we don't know what happened. We don't know if Christopher had a deathbed experience. There are people who say he didn't. But nonetheless, it was the witness of this Christian pastor. And one of the things that the book reveals is that the pastor was willing to listen to Christopher and learn his story. And he wrote a lot about his life and learned a lot about what had happened to him. And he had grown up in a, a boarding school that was supposed to be Christian, but there was a lot of bad things that happened there. And it kind of soiled the man uh, to the faith. What are we to do? Isn't it interesting that it starts with the ears and then goes to the tongue. I think the order is important. I'm looking beneath the surface. It starts with the ears, then goes to the mouth. Everybody with me? It's got to start with your ears, then it'll go to the mouth. Would you all turn to the book of James? That's towards the back of the New Testament. James chapter 1. I think we have a prescription of healing for healing that James writes down. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the leader of the Jerusalem church, the one who didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. He writes these words, James 1, look at verse 17. James 1, 17 says, Every good thing bestowed, and every perfect gift is from above. <clears throat> James 1, 17. Coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting or shadow. In the exercise of his will, James 1, 18, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, James 1.19. Let everyone be, what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. May I suggest, right, there's a prescription for healing, not only for the tension in our country, but maybe for the tension in some of your personal 
relationships. Do you know that when relationships break down, most people who do counseling will tell you that the breakdown has come in the ears. They won't listen to each other anymore. They've already concluded that when that person starts speaking to them, they already know where it's going. So they won't listen anymore. They won't listen to each other anymore. So sometimes that counselor's sole job is to mediate the, the listening. Did you hear what she said? Did you hear what he said? Well, yeah. <laughs> and James says, look. Look at verse 19. It says, but let how many people? Everyone. Be quick to hear. That word everyone in Greek is a really interesting word. It means everyone. <laughs> I'm looking for loopholes. Looking for loopholes. That's what W.C. Field said when he was reading the Bible. Looking for loopholes. You looking for loopholes? Are you the exception to the rule? <laughs> We're involved in Biola Youth Theater. And uh, my son, my uh, youngest son James has been in a lot of the productions and so the the lady that leads the, the uh, ministry will stand up and she tells people at the beginning, she says, okay, this is your phone. Everybody take your phone out. Turn your phone off. You can check email and do stuff later. You cannot film this. You cannot take pictures. You cannot use a flash. And for all of you who think you're special and the rules do not apply to you, they also apply to you as well. <laughs> There we go. All right. Turn your phone off. Sometimes we think we're the exception to the rule, right? Every one of us should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man, verse 20, James 1, does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. Listen, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves, James says in James 1.21, doers of the word and not merely hearers who, what? Delude themselves. Proverbs 12.18 says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It says prophetically of the Messiah, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, Isaiah 50 verse 5, and I was not disobedient nor did I turn my back. Jesus knows how to share a word to, to sustain the weary one. He's given me the tongue of the disciples, Isaiah 50, verse four. See, this is what we want. This is what we want to pray for. Everybody turn, if you would, to James three. It starts with the ears, and then James follows the same order from the ears to the tongue. Look at James three, verse five. He says, so also the tongue, James 3, 5, is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things, James 3, 5. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. James 3.8 But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. 
And James says, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Wow. As we take scripture with scripture, I think you can see where this is going. You see, he made his tongue alive with his own life. Turn back to Mark and we'll finish it. Jesus touched his tongue with his own DNA, with his own spittle. He'll do this once again in Mark's gospel in a little later account to a blind man. In both cases, the healings are unique to Mark's gospel. What is the message? Why only in Mark? Well, if Mark is indeed the thoughts of Peter, maybe this is part of what God was doing in Peter's life. Because you know Peter was not always the best listener. And you know Peter was, we call him impetuous, right? He was, he was quick with the, the tongue. Lord, though all betray you, I will never. Oh yeah, Peter. <laughs> this very night, you will deny that you even know me three times. And so our prayer needs to be, Lord, you know, I, I've shared with you morning prayers that I pray. Put on, Lord, I want to put on the armor of God. Lord, I, I want to be filled with your spirit. Lord, take these feet where you want them to go. I'm going to add a couple things. Lord, open up my ears. And Lord, would you touch this tongue of mine so I will hear and speak what you want me to say, what, we, we, what you want me to hear, and what you want me to say. Look at verse 34, Mark 7. And looking up to heaven, so Jesus did these things with this man now. Jesus looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. Here's another application point. If you're taking notes, if we're going to have a prescription for healing, we've got to have our eyes on heaven. I heard a pastor say recently, whenever life gets you down, look up. Whenever life gets you down, look up. Look where Jesus is, at the right hand of the Father, ever living to intercede for us. Look up. Jesus looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. The Greek word for deep sigh is stenazo, and it means to groan. To groan with a sigh of stress and deep concern. Similar uh, language to when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus and he saw everybody crying and he was deeply moved in his spirit. And John eleven thirty five, 35, even though Jesus knew that he was about to bring Lazarus out of the tomb, Mar uh, John eleven thirty five 35 says two words, Jesus wept. What? Yeah. Jesus was not afraid to enter into people's pain. Heaven has compassion. In fact, heaven feels the pain of earth more than we do. Do you believe that? You know, God said of Israel, you've wounded me with your waywardness. The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh yes, heaven feels our pain. And so Jesus had a deep sigh. Paul uses this word of the Christian groaning in Romans 8, 22 through 27 and 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 4. It, it speaks of creation groaning and the Christian groaning longing to be clothed with our heavenly habitation, longing for this current order of things to come to an end and sometimes all I can do is sigh. Are you there? Do you look around today and go, Lord, I, I don't even have words anymore. And sometimes a groan is appropriate. Sometimes a sigh communicates more than words do. 
because we don't always have the answer to what ails this planet. And so, Lord, give me your compassion today would be a good prayer. Open my ears. Give me your words. Give me your heart. Look at verse 35. And his ears were opened, so it would appear that this healing did not occur until Jesus went through all these things. The the, the fingers in the ears, the, the spittle, the touching of the tongue, the look up to heaven, and his ears were open and the impediment of his tongue was removed and he began speaking plainly and once again, I want video. I believe there's going to be a video room in heaven. At least I'm clinging to it. I'm sure they'll have something much better than video. Instantaneous something. <laughs> right? What do you think the first thing he said was? What would you say if your tongue was finally loosed and you spoke with difficulty and now you could say words that maybe you couldn't say before? Would you say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> but maybe a hallelujah? Maybe a praise the Lord? Maybe it's interesting. Jesus, when he looked up to heaven, Afatha said, be open. It's an Aramaic word. Open his ears. And he gave them orders, 36, not to tell anyone. I don't know why Jesus always does this. I'm still trying to figure it out. But, you know, this guy was going to go tell everybody what happened to him, right? But maybe Jesus was saying it would impede his ministry opportunities if it was announced. Uh, I know he was on a certain timeline and he didn't want to ever get ahead of that timeline, so that may be it. But he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. And verse 37 says, they were utterly astonished, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. The New Living Translation has it this way. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He makes the deaf to hear and give speech to those who cannot speak. I want you to turn, if you would, to Isaiah 35. This is where we will close today. This is what's being alluded to, Isaiah 35, in this passage and a few other places about the ministry of the Messiah. Everything he does is wonderful. Would you look with me at Isaiah 35? And if the worship team can hear my voice, you can come on up. This is prophetic of the ministry of the Messiah and also what's ahead of us in the millennial reign of Christ. Isaiah 35 verse 1 says, The wilderness and the desert will be glad and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. And the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Keep in mind that Isaiah 35 is saying that what happens here is the majesty of God himself on display. Here's what it says. Apply it now to us. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage Fear not, some of you need to mark that. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. 
Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the Arabah. And the scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, and the haunt of jackals its resting place. Grass becomes reeds and rushes. And a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go upon it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. And they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. His name is wonderful. His name is Counselor. His name, the Mighty God, Jesus, my Lord. A child and son is he, eternal father he, the Prince of Peace to me, Jesus, my Lord. Praise the Creator, Jesus, our Savior, life-giving spirit now in spirit worship him love and adore him his name is wonderful jesus my lord would you pray with me father god as we look to you this morning we look with hopeful eyes up to heaven we look with ears that need to be unstopped a tongue that needs to be touched a life that needs a relationship with you. We need to experience your healing touch so that we can be vehicles, couriers to bring the cure of healing, Lord. The healing can only come by your power through you, but we can be vessels in the process. And I pray that indeed this church, as is already happening, but I pray even all the more, would be your hands and your feet, would be your ears and your eyes and your mouth in this lost, dying, and searching world. And with your head and heart bowed, if you've not met Jesus, if you need to rededicate your life to him, if you need the healing that has occurred in this text, he's still here, he's still alive today, he still saves. And so cry out to him right now. It's something like this, and I would just encourage you, don't wait another moment to get right. Lord Jesus, pray it out loud if it's you come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you rose to defeat death. Thank you that you did the Father's will. You do all things well. I trust in you. I repent of my sin and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Please change me from the inside out. Please heal my backsliding. Pray it to him. Brethren, if it's you, if you're a prodigal, if you just... If you know this was for you and you just know that you need to pray right now and you need to ask heaven to intervene and, and you need to hear the words be opened, whether that's your ears or your heart, your life or everything, cry out to him. He's here and he wants to touch you. If you need physical healing, if you're going through something emotionally, spiritually or otherwise, now's the time and my prayer is that during this last song, Many lives, Father, will be touched and changed and transformed for your glory in Jesus' name.